perfection is the enemy of success. So, hey, I'm not trying to be perfect. I make mistakes regularly and I laugh at myself and I'm the first person to say, don't believe anything I think. Everything I just told you here, throw it all in the garbage because it could change the next week. I challenge everything. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hi guys, happy Monday. Welcome to the podcast this week. I feel like I say this every week, but this week especially, I am super excited to share this episode. There are so many amazing tidbits of information in here. I got the chance to sit down and speak with Kevin Darby, who is the founder and CEO of DTS Fitness Education, which is probably one of my favorite companies on the planet. I truly believe that the courses that I've taken from DTS have shaped me into the trainer that I am. If any fitness professional in Toronto ever asks me for course information or what should I do to learn, I always send them to DTS. I'm such a big fan for a couple of different reasons. The first is that they provide amazing information and they teach you how to apply it, which as a trainer, when you need to have this knowledge and actually be able to translate it to your clients is everything. They also, as you're in these courses, have this way of showing you the bigger picture. Why are we doing this? Why does this matter? And you're gonna hear Kevin talk about the mission behind DTS. And I think that as he talks about the mission and the vision behind the company, it becomes obvious why that's the case. I'm a big believer in continuing education for everyone, for anyone in any field. You can't let yourself get complacent. The moment that you're passive about your growth and your learning is the moment when you stop excelling. You lose that drive and motivation to do what you do. If you're continuously learning and growing and adding things to your toolbox where you feel like you're genuinely getting better, things stay exciting. You're gonna stay way more engaged and interested and you'll be way more fulfilled by what you do. So do the courses. Yes, they are an investment, but it's an investment in yourself. Walking out of the courses that I've taken from DTS, I have never felt more passionate about my job, which at the end of the day, I think is the most important thing that a fitness education company could provide. So that all being said, I'm a huge fan of the company, which means I'm also a huge fan of Kevin Darby and getting the chance to sit down and talk with him was so much fun. He's one of those people whose authenticity comes through within the first 30 seconds of speaking with him. He's so present. He has so much confidence in who he is and in what his message is and what he believes in. I've never heard someone use so many acronyms in their daily life, but I kind of dig it. I think that what it really shows about him is how purposeful he is in living his life, even in the small things, even in those everyday tasks. He's always keeping himself accountable and he always has that bigger picture in mind. I think that there is so much for everyone to learn about mindset from this episode. We talk specifically about what it means to have a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. 
And throughout the podcast, I think one of the themes is how mindset can be your advantage. Your mindset can be your edge in anything that you're pursuing, in anything that you decide to do. You don't necessarily have to be the most talented. You don't have to be the most physically capable. All you need is to have that edge through your mindset and believing that you can do anything, that you can overcome any obstacle. I think it's one thing to hear it and... You know, you hear a lot of people talking about growth mindset nowadays, but I think it's another thing to get it, to understand it, to live your life that way, to release yourself from those limiting views and this fixed outlook that we instill upon ourselves. We also talk about high performance cultures and how important it is in a team to build a culture of trust that's based on conflict. And Kevin talks about why conflict in teams is actually so critical. I also loved hearing about how Kevin makes it a point to learn from every single experience, every single mistake, every single thing that hasn't turned out the way he wanted. He's always thinking about, okay, how can I learn from this? What do I take away from this? He sees it as a growth opportunity. This is something that I'm working on doing in my life and really sort of reframing the things that don't go well and being grateful for them in a way because then I can move on and I can get better from it. Kevin also talks about what you can do if you ever lose your passion for something, if you lose your passion and purpose, how can you get that back? Because there is a way to do it deliberately. This doesn't have to be something that's completely out of your control. We also talk about Kevin's family and his kids, which was really fun to hear about. He talks a little bit about his parenting philosophy and how he really tries to raise his kids by leading with example. There are so many important things to be taken away from this episode, so I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to let you hear it from him. Without further ado, here is Kevin Darby. So welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about DTS and the mission and vision behind your company and what it is that you guys do. Yeah, so it's DTS Fitness Education. I'm Kevin Darby. I'm the the founder of the of the company, but by no means the uh, key individual. We have a full time team of what do we have? Four people, four full time people plus myself um, that are part of our team. And our vision is longevity and pain free living for everyone. And that vision actually we challenge it sometimes. It used to be longevity and pain free movement but we felt that movement was limiting, that pain-free living incorporates the mental as well as the physical. And in our industry, there's so much of a focus on the physical, 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 but really the mental aspect is where a lot of people struggle. When Mm -hmm. you struggle with some of the mental approaches and the thought processes, that's where the physical suffers. So we like to be inclusive of the physical and the mental. One in five Canadians struggle with mental health issues, and I would say it's probably the same across the globe so yeah there's 20 percent of our population that needs help with some of their mental health and physical exercise is a great way to address it yeah absolutely yeah so that's who we are awesome so would you say that your vision uh for the company has changed a little bit from the time when you started it to now how has that evolved it definitely well we started in its current form that was about 10 years ago and we've certified i think over 10,000 people in that period of time we're sort of an undercover large <laughs> fitness uh continuing education provider at the start. It was very heavily focused on coaching. It still is. That's my background, coaching, really good coaching. But now 
you know, we see it more as changing the paradigm or changing the mindset in the industry to look at how exercise can put a deposit into someone's personal health bank account every time. Sometimes with exercise, the boot camp or kick your ass type mentality, we have clients who leave a session and in fact, you probably made a withdrawal from their health bank account. So starting to consider what do they do all day? How can we use exercise to enhance their life? What motions, what postures they're in all day? How we can use exercise as an antidote? How can we use exercise as an enhancer? So when we do our program design components in our base certification, which is our DTS level one, uh, we talk a lot about antidotes and enhancers. Awesome. Where does your passion for education come from, for educating trainers? You know, when you sit down and you say, what should I do? And you say, what do I really like? Mm-hmm. I really like fitness. Um, I have a, obviously a, a pretty extensive background in fitness from national level athlete to published researcher in back health to working in organizational health settings. So I like fitness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really like teaching. I like instructing. Uh, being a great coach has been part of my DNA from when I was very young. So when you make the circle and it has, I love fitness, and I'm really good at teaching, they intersect and I say, listen, I will develop a business that I teach fitness. So that brings uh, something that I feel I'm really good at with something that I really love. So that's where the the passion came from, but it's more the purpose. I don't know if you've read the book, um, So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. No. He just talks about the passion hypothesis being a false hypothesis. He says, if you do things that you're just passionate about, it's not a good way of developing a business. He says, what happens is if you're purposeful and you dedicate yourself to something, eventually you will develop a passion and passion like everything else requires work and effort. Mm -hmm. So when you put the work and effort in, that's purposeful, the passion comes afterwards. Sometimes we just run into something with passion. That's why over 50% of businesses fail in the first few years Mm -hmm. because the person's passionate, but Hey, you gotta be clear on a purpose. You gotta put the work in when you put the work in, Hey, the passion develops, maybe not exactly around the subject, but the passion around how you do things, the structure, how it works. So how do you think that you take something that's just a passion and what do you, what do you do to make it purposeful? Do you have to solve a problem? Like make sure there's a problem to be solved. What does that path look like? I think purpose is something that you have to, you have to spend some time to figure out. You have to do some work on it. And that's why it requires uh, personal education and requires experience. And you say, listen, this means something to me because it's, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people say, well, it doesn't feel like work. I say, ah, I don't know if I agree with that. It's work, but you enjoy the work, right? You'll yeah. see somebody doing <laughs> something. And at the end of the day, you know, if someone's building a deck, they don't come home and say, oh, I feel refreshed. That wasn't work. They come home and they say, I enjoyed the work. It's hard. I'm tired, but man, I kept doing it. I, I saw that I had to adjust it, do it a little better. You know, I read a little bit more. I didn't think it was right, so I took it apart. I did it again. That's that's someone who enjoys their work. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but I think that's a way to, to do it. You got to put the work in. Definitely. I believe that strength training is for everyone, and I think that that's a value that you share as well. Yeah. Why is it so important to make training accessible to everyone? Well, strength is a foundation. Strength solves problems. Strength done well solves problems. Strength done poorly causes problems. Mm. We want joints to last for a long period of time, so they need to be strong. We want people to have good relative strength so that they can prevent falls, they can pick up their kids. We want people to have strength because I think it teaches resilience, right? It teaches you how to dedicate yourself to something, continue along the path, and sometimes there's injuries or setbacks. 
developing strength educates you on being resilient and being committed to something multiple parameters Mm -hmm. so mental it's mental training it's physical training good for joints good for other stuff and everyone looks likes to look good in a pair of jeans and their bathing suit so (laughs) it does it it does it all and it's always fun to pick up something heavy in the gym totally win 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 how do you go about like people that sort of don't feel accepted in a fitness space or maybe they don't feel as able or maybe they've never strength trained before like how do you make that feel accessible and successful for those people mindset right um you have to work on the mindset all of that is fears it's not real it's a gym it's weights it's not dangerous yeah i guess there's an aspect of danger to it but the fear is all in your mind to be successful in the gym requires you to prepare yourself for that so i'll give you an analogy in high level sport you see the athletes sitting especially for things like skiing bobsled Uh, Michael Phelps is quite famous for this. You'll see him sitting there going through a mental program. Their eyes are closed. They're going through the process. These are the top people in their sport. Why do they need to practice? Yet, the amateurs in the gym, they just walk in and feel like they should learn it all. So really what we should see in commercial gyms is everyone's sitting there going through like the mindset, like practicing of how they're going to exercise. So for the people who have fear of the gym, it's mental training before they go in the gym. So it's something to sit down and say, it's not real. The fear is not, I'm going to feel uncomfortable. It's about developing a growth mindset. Yes, this is going to be uncomfortable. Yes, these clothes that I don't normally wear, I'm going to feel. Yes, some people are probably going to look at me because I'm going to do the exercises wrong. Who cares? But if I go and I'm there every single day, it's going to come. So the struggle is a mindset. Mm-hmm. It's not the physical stuff. It's a mindset. Can you tell us about what it means to have a growth mindset? It's effort, right? Um, Someone with a fixed mindset, it's more their self-worth is around whether they can do something well. Someone with a growth mindset understands that effort is what makes you smart and talented, not the result. So you have to be process-oriented, right? Someone who is a fixed mindset, it's all about the outcome. So if they go in the first day, they don't understand the equipment, they do it wrong, something happens, ah, I don't like the gym. This is not for me, blah, 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 blah. Someone with a growth mindset says, hey, I've never been here before. I've never tried this. Yes, I did it all incorrectly. But if I come back and I try it again tomorrow and I do it again the next day and the next month, in six months from now, I'm going to follow the process. The process always has to be linked to an outcome. Mm -hmm. You can't just come in and try. (laughs) Like you have to try with some purpose and some structure. So I think that's where it is for Mm -hmm. for most people. it's, It's mindset. Every personal trainer, should be trained a little bit in being a mindset coach. You know, we advocate the Carol Dweck's book, uh, Mindset, as required reading for everyone. But I it's, love that book. Yeah, yeah, when you can just open up your mind, man, does it does it free stuff up? I kind of tell you a funny story. When I was a, I was a very fixed mindset kid because in my household, uh, I love my mom. She's an amazing lady, but very outcome oriented. How did you do on the test? You're going to do everything was the outcome, the outcome, the outcome. Mm-hmm. And I was quite athletic in high school and I wanted to play basketball. But my fear was that I wouldn't make the basketball team. Don't tell me you didn't try out. I didn't try out. No. I didn't try out, but I love basketball. <laughs> but I didn't try out because my identity was around being athletic. Yeah. And if I didn't make the team, even if you think about environments, when I take a course or seminar and someone asks a question, I don't put my hand up because I'm thinking, man, like, what if I get it wrong? And then when I someone puts their hand up and they get it wrong, I don't think, look at that idiot. Right. <laughs> I just think, thank God that wasn't me. <laughs> Meanwhile, the person gets all this personal attention, they meet the person, they volunteer. Yeah. So nowadays, I, um, 
I make sure that I put my hand up uh, first. And that backfires sometimes because uh, they were feeding uh, giraffes carrots. And I put my hand up and went right up front. And I don't know if you know, giraffe spit. I mean, I got a chunk of giraffe spit on me and I thought, okay. <laughs> you don't always have to put your hand up when they ask for a volunteer. But, um, you know, it's little things, right? You know, you're at a party and you think, oh, I don't know these five people. What holds you back from meeting all the people at the party? It's fear. Like, but fear what are they going to do when you walk yeah. up? The irony of it is, I don't know anyone that has walked up to someone and the person's looked at them and said, I'm not interested in meeting you. Hey, hey, buzz off, go away. That doesn't happen. Right. You know, I'm sure it's happened somewhere, but generally that's not what it's going to be if you're at a party or an event. So what's the fear? You know that the person's not going to, at worst, they kind of ignore you a little bit. They'll say, they'll be polite and you'll say, okay, they're not interested in the conversation. You move on. It's so self-limiting. It's, it's all mindset. Yeah. It's, all, it's all mindset. You're, are you getting the long and <laughs> you're answering short? <laughs> you're asking short questions, and the answer is going on. The answer I'm goes on like and this on. This is gonna be an easy interview. <laughs> keep talking. Keep you're telling be like, stories. Okay, you've answered the question. Next one. So, yeah. So for the gym, mindset, mindset, mindset. That's all it is. We should do more on mindset training. Before someone comes to the gym, we say, "Listen, we want to set you up for success." There's a little process that we have to go through. Blah blah blah, and then say, "It's normal to not know how to do this." It's normal to go in the sauna thinking it's a shower, right? Don't yeah. worry about all that stuff, right? It'll, it'll all sort itself out, you know? Yeah. What kind of mental work do you do uh, in your day? Do you kind of have these moments, we'll call them Michael Phelps moments, where you kind of sit back and do your mental prep for the day? Whether it's for the gym or not. Well, I have a process that I follow most mornings. I wish I could say I follow it 100% all the time, <laughs> but your schedule gets in the way sometimes. Even if I don't follow it exactly as laid out, I'll spend five minutes going through the process. So I have a little journaling process. I call it the, the six grains of living a fantastic and fulfilling life. So the word grains stands for, I write down a growth mindset statement. I do gratitude to some of the key people. I reflect on my previous day. I reflect on my long-term goals. And then I have a, an accountability for my daily minimums. How did I do? So if you ask me, how are you? You'll hear me say, I'm okay. Some days I'm great, some days I'm fantastic. Fantastic means I'm a 10 out of 10 on my daily accountability. Okay means I'm less than a six. Accountability to what? To whatever um, it is that you want to accomplish that day? Well, I have a, a set of daily minimums that I mm -hmm. say, these are the things that if I want to achieve the long-term goals that I've outlined, Got it. these daily minimums need to be part of what I do okay. every single day of my life. Got it. And I hold myself accountable to them. I'm not always a 10 out of 10, but you know, perfection is the enemy of success. So I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for improvement and whenever I, slide down the hill in the valley and the number gets low then it gives me a chance to learn and reflect on okay what happened today what do i need to change to make sure because that just knocked me off on what i've said is very important for my long-term goals and once i've done that accountability i set my intention that's the i in grains so the intention for the day and then i finish off with something i call my spotlight because our brain has a natural negativity bias. So we have to train our brain to say, I'm gonna view this situation as an opportunity versus something that's pissing me off. That's my journaling. It takes about 20 minutes. And then I do 20 minutes of meditation. And then after the 20 minutes of meditation, I do some sort of physical movement for about 20 minutes. Sometimes it's a walk. And that sort of, I own that 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. is my time to prep for the day. Awesome. And the days I don't have that, it's five to 10 minutes of meditation or focus for the day. And then I do a little bit of movement. But movement is a, a constant. I need it for my brain. And then from a physiological standpoint, movement helps something called 
brain-derived eutrophic factor, which is like miracle growth for the brain. So it keeps my brain healthy because mm-hmm. one of my long-term goals is to live to 100 years old. So that's my morning routine. So that 60 minutes is what I do. And then through the day, I use something called a, an IVF process, but I'm not trying to have a baby. <laughs> so it's not that type of idea. Not shooting yourself up with yeah, hormones. Yeah. So I just try to take a moment to think about what's my intention. I visualize the situation and then what the feeling is. Cause I'm a pretty like ah, type of uh, person. <laughs> so sometimes I just realize, oh my God, I've been, <laughs> my heart rate must be 120 beats per minute. And I know this is hard to believe, but sometimes people feel I'm, I might be a little intense. <laughs> so sometimes I have to, uh, I have to just chill out for a second and say, hey, intensity boy, <laughs> have a smile and chill and hug out, right? You know, yeah. so. You're the king of acronyms, huh? Did you come up with both of those, the greens and the IVF? Yeah, that's all. Yeah, somewhere. yeah that's your brain I, just like pops out acronyms. Yeah, that's a military. That's that's, that's my that's my military <laughs> training. It's all it's all acronyms and little yeah. ways of flowing. Because that's great. I mean, they're they're all over your courses too, mm-hmm. right? And it's great ways of sort of remembering things. But. Yeah, I suck at a lot of things, you know. So it's constant work. I mean, I'm going to be 50 next year. It's constant work. It's constant. How do I get better at my relationships? How do I get better at dealing with challenging situations? Uh, how do I get better at controlling my emotions to a situation because I'm an emotional person. So sometimes it's a reactive phase and it doesn't help. I screwed up personal relationships. I've probably pissed my wife off sometimes. I piss my daughter off. I piss my coworkers off. I have a growth mindset. I just, I want to suck less tomorrow. (laughs) That's it, right? So if I get a little bit better every week, by the time I'm 100, I'll be okay. <laughs> so right right before I step in the grave, I'll be like, hey, I, I think I finally got this. Then you'll be your best self. That'll be my best self. But replace judgment with curiosity, you know, mm-hmm. where it used to be like a, you judge yourself and say, I'm an idiot. You know, why did I do all of that? Right? And I'm normal. I made a mistake. Perfection is the enemy of success. So, hey, I'm not trying to be perfect. I make mistakes regularly and I laugh at myself and I'm the first person to say, don't believe anything I think. Everything I just told you here, throw it all in the garbage. Because it could change the next week. I challenge everything. I've not figured anything out, I'm, but I'm constantly learning and trying. Love it. Mm-hmm. Can we talk a little bit about the company, about DTS? Mm-hmm. So 10 years ago, you started it. When's the 10-year anniversary? It might be this year. I, like it's, it, it was sort of... You don't know the date? Yeah, like it wasn't like a date that. that it started. It was, it was like it, it changed iterations, oh, I see, I see. but in its yeah. current form. And the only reason I know that is because I see the copyright thing in the bottom always says copyright 2010 uh-huh. and I know that we printed everything in January so that we would have started the year but that's how I know yeah. it's 10 years yeah. so okay okay yeah. what's the most challenging part of running the company uh not believing my own shit yeah that's it right so I have ideas about how it should work the hardest part is getting it right not being right if that makes sense tell me more what do you mean by that so I think this is the way it works but that's actually not the right way and it's not the success so it's challenging yourself all the time to say, did we get it right? I see. My ideas were completely wrong. That was a worst idea ever. <laughs> Look at how that's working. Um, that was a worst hire ever. That was not the right decision to make in that situation. Okay. So what do we do to, to, to learn from it? So, How do you keep team dynamics strong and good? And how do you keep everybody else willing to challenge and grow on the, in the same way? Ah, work, constant work. There was a study they did with Google. I think it takes about three years for your team to storm it out till you finally norm where conflict is normal. And it's still a challenge on our team to, to get comfortable with conflict. You have to find people who are comfortable with conflict, comfortable with no judgments. Let's get curious and let's get better. Otherwise, when you have a team and then the politics start and people are defending themselves and the 
shit talk behind people. All that stuff is garbage. So we don't have any room for that talk. If we, there's a problem, let's hash it out. I find myself regularly uh, reaching out to folks on the team saying, hey, I'm sorry, can we do this better? It all boils down to trust. And that trust takes time to build amongst your team. And everyone thinks trust is, you just come in and we all get along. If you have an environment where everyone gets along and there's no conflict, you have a low performance environment. If you want a high performance environment, figure out how to have some conflict. Disagree a little bit. That's the only way that you're gonna grow. Daniel Cole's book, uh, Culture Code, is I think should be mandatory reading for everyone. If you're in a business situation, cool. yeah, Culture Code, powerful. They looked at Navy SEALs, they looked at high performance environments, and they looked at some of the characteristics of high performance environments. And it was interesting, they said, you know, it wasn't particularly a lighthearted place. They didn't actually, everyone didn't actually seem to have this strong sense of they're all best friends. But man, did they respect each other and did they trust each other? That book opened my eyes up about some things for what does a high performance team look like? I shouldn't say it opened my eyes because I've been involved in some of those high performance teams. It was a confirmation that what people think, maybe not. Building a culture of trust and trust is built on conflict. If you have a team environment and there's no conflict, everyone just wants to smile and get along. Hey, you well, it's it. impossible not to have different opinions and different viewpoints and different perspectives, right? So if the conflict's not happening outwardly, face-to-face, mm-hmm. it's happening in the back of your mind, it's happening behind a closed door, mm-hmm. and of course that doesn't create a culture that's yeah. successful. So It sounds like you've had, uh, you <laughs> tell me, what do you, same question back to you, what do you think makes a successful company? I don't know yet. I think that's why I asked. Yeah. I'm still learning. I've yeah. been on a lot of different types of teams. A lot not as successful, actually. Um, so I think I'm still learning. Like, what does it mean to be part of a, a team that's really successful? I think respect is a huge one. Mm-hmm. Respecting that everyone brings something to the table that you can learn from, I think, is really important. And never being closed-minded to think that you've learned it all. The best flow of information, the best sharing of information, and therefore the best outcomes happen when people are freely exchanging ideas and they're different ideas. I agree with you. But, you know, yeah. TBD, I'll let you know. <laughs> we'll yeah, see. Yeah. But, and I, I think people have to viscerally defend what they believe, hmm. right? Yeah. You see humans, they pull back and they start to, you know, see where the wind is blowing. You know, who am I aligned with? Is this my, I'm going to, oh... This scared. person helped me out a bunch of times, so I'm going to jump, you know, garbage. Sure. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Defend defend your position. Like, argue it. Like, mm-hmm. come on. Like, defend it. And then at the end, the team comes to an agreement. And then whether it was your idea or a completely opposite, then you get behind and support that person 100% and you move on. When you walk out that room, the team is unified. That's a tough... Conflict part is tough for people. Mm-hmm. You know? Everyone's like, I'm fine. Is there a problem? I'm, I'm fine. You know? No, you're not. You're going to go home and grovel, whine, and complain, you know, like, come on. And then bring it back the next day. And and that's cancerous. And and when you get that, man, that cancer, it spreads in an organization and it kills it. It kills it. Have you seen that happen? Of course. Yeah, multiple times. I've been the cancer. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But you learn from it. Hmm. And you say, you know, like next time if there's a problem with something, I'll approach it different. I'll bring it right up and go forward. So, hey. Every time you're in a valley, it creates the opportunity to climb to a higher peak. So you got to make all the mistakes. I wish I wasn't so proud of it, but I probably made them all, <laughs> you know, so, hey, but. That's good. That means you've learned a lot of lessons. That's it. Yeah. All right. So that's how I say, you know, I, I, I don't mind as long as there's a lesson learned at the end, 
But um, yeah, if you ever get someone who doesn't communicate their feelings, and most times they'll mask it emotionally, there has to be some sort of outburst or some big breakdown. And that is, I don't think that's helpful, mm. right? You have to create the environment where they can just sit and say, listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not happy about that, right? And you have the conversation, you move forward. Yeah. You know, but it comes with trust, which is hard. How do you balance running a company with home life and family life? You don't. Work-life balance is bullshit. I, I hear it all the time. If you love what you do, the magic happens in the extremes. This idea that you're going to go down the middle, that's mediocre. It's called medium, right? Don't be mediocre. Mm-hmm. Live, live in the extremes, but always counterbalance it. So we have um, crazy periods with our company, but every March I go away. My mom lives in Florida now, so we go away for 10 days. Uh, in the summer, our entire company shuts down the last week of August. The company unplugs. No one is pl- no one is monitoring anything. The company is plugged out. Really? And then at in December, around December 20th, the entire company plugs out and then doesn't plug back until after Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then after that, the rest of my team, our full-time team, gets another two weeks of vacation. And they can take that time however they want. Take it one day at a time, half day at a time, wh- whatever you need to do. So when we are working, we're in it mm-hmm. to win it. And then when you're, when you're off, hey, figure out your life. Counterbalance. So take the time. Um, the research says parents that come home and just spend a couple hours of unfocused time with their kids each week, it's not as powerful as when I go away from my, I don't even bring my computer or my phone with me. There's no, I'm not taking Instagram pics of here's my family on the beach on big, like it's a hundred percent. And I have a date night with my daughter on Tuesday nights. Sometimes depending on work, it doesn't happen, but her and I go, it's her time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my son is a little guy, so I wake up in the morning, I take him, it's him and I, right? Those times are, I guard and protect that time vigorously. So work-life balance, the magic happens in the extremes. Mm-hmm. So You've created very clear boundaries though. That's very clear, like set aside time. Work-life balance, yeah, I guess that means something different for everyone. Exactly. But you're, you're being very intentional about where is my time spent and I'm all in on that. All in. And mm-hmm. when you're at work... <laughs> You're all in. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I mean. Like, don't don't try to balance it. Say, there's a project. When there's a project, it's late nights, early mornings, disappear. Say to everyone, listen, you're not going to see me. The next two weeks, I am in it to win it. But then I'll say, okay, but I'm going to take a break at 8.30 every morning, walk my daughter to school. Mm-hmm. She's going to have 10 minutes of my undivided. I'm not on my phone. I'm like, on Tuesday night, I'm going to take her for dinner. But the rest of the time, hey, I'm working late. It, this is happening. But when it's done, we're going to counterbalance with 100% family time. Magic doesn't happen in, in the middle. So when it's work time, it's on the extreme. When it's not work time, it's it's on the extreme of all uh, family time. I don't know, maybe I'll change my opinion, but that's kind of, <laughs> you can tell, that's kind of how I roll, yeah. you know? Right or wrong, it works for my DNA, you know? Do you ever have periods of time when you're not motivated to do work? <laughs> all the time. Yeah? Yeah. Whenever you lose your passion, purpose, replace it with curiosity. Once you lose your passion or purpose, you become average. There's a, if you go on the DTS website, it says curiosity killed a cat. I think, I think I'm going to change the title of curiosity killed average. Read the blog article on there. Once you lose that sort of purpose, passion drive, you drift down to average. I don't want to be average. Mm-hmm. It's not what I'm interested in being. I don't want to do anything and say, Oh man, look at that. That was a- like, we have an average company, <laughs> you know, yeah. sometimes it ends up average just because the product is a bit shit and we need to work on it to bring it up. But <laughs> Um, that happens once in a while and we just keep working on it, but get curious, start to learn something, ask why is that happening? Mm-hmm. 
whenever you lose that sort of passion purpose, bring curiosity in and say, what, why? Why am I feeling that? Okay, you know what? I haven't been sleeping. You know what? I changed my diet. Hey, I changed my exercise routine. Hey, this is happening. We hired that like there's always something there. Find what the source is. The pilot light didn't go out on its own. Something went to blow it out. Figure out what that something is and get it out of there so you can reignite the light. Can you think of the last time that that happened to you? And what it was? What were you, what did you discover? How did you change? Oh, that's a tough question. I don't know the answer to that one. Yeah, that's one I would have to think about. Okay, think about it. Yeah, okay, I'm thinking about it. We can loop back. Yeah, 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 the computer's like... (laughs) Um, You know what I can say? Once in a while, I may get caught up when we're teaching different subjects sometimes. I feel maybe I'm going through the the motions. I'm looking at like, okay, I got to teach this section, this section, this section, this section, and I have to catch myself. And I do it before every course and say, what's my intention? What's a feeling that I'm trying to create? What is a message? Because sometimes it gets lost in the preparation where you're just saying, okay, well, this needs to be, and then it's going to be 15 minutes for this parameter. And sometimes we have a schedule we follow, but at times there's some things that happen. The dynamic of the course just says, hey, there's a situation and a moment and opportunity. And it's those moments in the course where it comes from inside. It comes from a deep sense of purpose and a deep commitment to being transformational for people where you say, you know what? I'm gonna change a script in the schedule to bring that in. So maybe that's the answer. That once in a while I I look at it and I think, oh, we followed the schedule, but I just look and I just reflect on the feeling in the room. And I said, our vision is longevity and pain-free living. We want these leaders in this room to leave here being transformational in their approach. And all we did was just communicate information. Let's take a step back and communicate the passion and the purpose behind it. If I feel the energy drop, it's a good little, what could we do different? And I sit down, I analyze it, I pull it apart. Where team talks, I said, hey, what can we do different? Maybe that's it. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right one, but it's uh, it's the one that uh, resonates when I think about it. Then yeah, then it's the right one. Yeah. Those moments where you find that off script, that like shared humanity in something, when it like pulls out the real from people and you see the light bulbs. That's the good shit. That's the reason. That's like as it. a trainer, I can think of a you know a couple of specific times when that's happened with clients where yeah. it's just like I just feel so connected to them. It's yeah. I'm not thinking about 15 minute warm up and then we're gonna do this many sets and then blah blah. Like it, yeah. it's gone because yeah. we're connected and they're gonna walk away from that session with a feeling and that's that's what matters. That's what changes. And that's, when did that happen for you? When? Yeah. When's the last time that happened for you? I think the last time, I, I get pretty close to my clients. A lot of them I've had for, well, I've had all of them for over a year. So yeah. I have a lot of longtime clients. So you develop relationships. So I know what's going on in their lives. And I had a client that came in and she was going through a pretty emotional, some emotional stuff at work. Mm-hmm. And she was just down. And I just knew that she just needed someone to be there and to, to talk with her. And so... What we did in that session, we still moved. It was completely different than what we had planned. I wasn't, I didn't look at my program once, like we were doing other stuff, but we connected. And she walked out, she walked in with tears in her eyes and she walked out a different person. And you know, you get the the message later that's just like, that changed my day. Like that turned everything around. That's the shit that I live for. That's everything to me. I get it, I get it. We get the messages sometimes. People will say, um, I appreciated the course, but I appreciated some of the 
some of the lessons and the conversations. And I know what they mean. I remember one time in a course, we had a bit of an energy um, vampire. And at the end of the day, it made me reflect and say, if it's about longevity and pain-free living, this is someone who's hurting. And their behavior was to get attention. Even if it was negative behavior, and they got all our attention. And they got it in a very negative way. And they just start thinking about what environment, what do they grow up in? If that's what they learned of how to get, inten- uh, how to get attention, I need to be more powerful. Like I need to have more love and understanding that when that was coming, I fill their cup. I figure out how to create the love and caring so that person could leave that course understanding what longevity and pain-free living is, not an emotional reaction, which was easy. You know, it was easy. Mm. And that was their easy way of probably connecting and getting attention to their life. So it was a challenge. I said, you know what, I'm gonna take this as a lesson. That might have been one time where I questioned myself about why am I doing this, you know? And I thought, ah, no. Those are the moments that you need. Prepares you for the future when you do have some of those uh, situations. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. If I had changed all those things, changed those behaviors, I could have probably enhanced the quality of their life. But instead, we repeated the pattern that they've seen over and over again. So I said, ah, you know what? A little bit of a failure. But that's okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Teaches you. A little ass kicking to move you forward, right? So I don't mind a little ass kicking. So as I said, it seems to happen a little, little too often. Though, you know? <laughs> One of the things that I remember specifically appreciating about your courses, it wasn't in, I mean, I love information and I love learning. So obviously whenever I'm in a fitness course, I'm yeah. like the happiest version of myself. Mm-hmm. But I love how you sit down at lunch breaks and you ask someone, so who are you? What do you do when you're not at work? What do you like to do? What do you enjoy? That's always stuck with me. Partly because I think a lot of us just tie our identity so closely to what we do. And we derive a lot of value from that. And like that's where our identity is. Um, when really our worth is so much more, right? But yeah, I've, that always stuck with me. And that, that's an intangible takeaway yeah. from one of your courses and being around you and your team. Yeah. So I want to ask you, who are you? And what do you do outside of work? Yeah, my kids. My kids... Um... As I mentioned before, I'm almost 50 and my daughter's eight and my son is 18 months, so I started late. Why was that? Do you mind me asking? Yeah, it just was kind of the way life. I got uh, married a bit later in life. Uh, How old were you when you were married? Now you're asking me the tough questions. Uh, not, I've been married nine years, <laughs> okay. but I, me and my wife were together. We lived together for years before, so I think we've been together about 14 or 15 years. 15 years, <laughs> I've got it. Not getting you in trouble. Yeah, yeah I'm getting them all straight. So for me, it's about being a great father, really spending time with them. Because as I'm older, I realize what that quality, we talked about a little bit earlier, so that's, that's what I live for. We plan these vacations. Um, we've got sort of our three planned times together, and then there's another one generally thrown in. So we've got kind of four vacation periods. I know I work right to it, then I disconnect, and that's why it's about enjoying my children. So outside, uh, I've done a lot of interesting things in my life, so I feel like I'm good <laughs> for <laughs> the crazy business excitement. So I get a lot of excitement around some of those activities uh, with my kids. And then that morning routine that I have is that's mine. I think that's important for my time. And then, you know, I enjoy my, my different interests in fitness. But yeah, three times a year we travel, and then one time it's somewhere, somewhere here. So the next big one is in four years from now, we're going to take a year. Five years, 2024, we're going to take a year, take a year, pull our kids out of school and just one year, you know. Where are you going to go? 
I think we're going to make it a Spanish oriented trip so my kids can uh, potentially learn Spanish. So maybe in Europe and Spain for a couple months and then something in South America, South and Central America for the rest and then maybe finish off with just a, a bit of time in Australia, depending on how the time works, if we like one spot. So that's kind of my next pro- I don't know if it'll happen, but I've said to, I've laid it out to my <laughs> wife. I'm trying to put everything in place. So yeah, um, yeah that's going to be a lot of pre-planning to be able to be away from the company for a year. Luckily, yeah. I'm shit on the team. <laughs> the rest of my team is is really good. So I always laugh. Sometimes I'm there. I'm like, man, I am the, I'm I'm the I'm the weak link in this uh, in this group of people. So yeah, there's some things that I do well and I enjoy. We have such a strong group of people that when I'm away, it'll I'll run. And uh, one of the big lessons that I got when I was younger with some of the military experience I had was that it's never about you. If you are the key person. You haven't built anything. Leadership is about empowering all the other folks and being comfortable stepping out of the spotlight, stepping into the spotlight where you need to or the parts, but you always have to have someone who can step in that spotlight and there's no change or in fact, things improve I love that. when you step out of it. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not concerned about there's it. There's your trust. Sometimes in the meeting when we're talking about stuff, I, I think, I don't know how any of that works. <laughs> I'm glad someone else does. So it always ends up with, okay, is it good? Great. You know, and my question to everyone is, is there something that we can do better? Because I don't know what the better is. So either we have the answers internally or we seek out an expert to help us. So mm-hmm. our team is really strong. They're pretty amazing people. Cool. So Ben, Andrew, Lisa, those are our main folks. And then Simone is my wife who helps with some of the administrative stuff on the background. But Ben, Andrew, and Lisa are pretty pretty amazing uh, folks. It's Lisa Wong, Ben McDonald, and Andrew <laughs> Meyer. They are they are all uh, incredible rock stars who I get to learn from every day. So pretty amazing people. How do you help uh, teach your kids how to gain some like awareness and understanding over their health and their fitness as they grow up? One easy, that's the easiest question you've asked me. Example. If you're the example, your kids will follow along. Children are smart. Can't bullshit kids. They, they watch what you do. So however you handle things, how you act, what you do, how you prioritize fitness, what you do in terms of your sleep, snacks, everything, your kids mirror it. I love a little bit of ice cream in the evening or like a little bit of chocolate. And my daughter's ate already in the evening. She'll just, she'll come up, daddy, daddy, how about a little chocolate? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, no. I just laugh. I'm like, where did you, she got that from... And she eats vegetables like she eats. You just watch her. She doesn't crave. I feel bad for her. She she told me this year, she, I've never had McDonald's. I said, we got to get McDonald's fries. McDonald's yeah. fries are incredible. I said, I am sorry as a, a parent, as a parent. Yeah. And I was like, I got to get you. And I was just laughing. I, here I'm like, she's like, but isn't that garbage food? I'm like, yeah, it's not, it's, it's, it's not the healthiest food, but McDonald's fries, <laughs> but every child it. should have a, some McDonald's fries. So, so that's what we, uh, did. that's easy. If you don't live it, they, they, they learn from you. They learn from you in every, uh, in every aspect, you know? So even when I get upset with her, I gotta sit down and say, you know, hey, did dad handle it the best? Da, 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 da. And we always separate. I say to my daughter all the time, hey, you are a kind and thoughtful person. That behavior, that behavior, I do not like <laughs> at all. So let's take that behavior and let's put it in the garbage. Cause my kind and thoughtful little girl, that's not the behavior I would expect from you. Right? And I'll say, do you think that was kind of thoughtful? And she'll say, no, daddy. I said, okay, well, that's not. Or I'll say, was that kind of thoughtful when daddy raised his voice like that? Right? How did that make you feel? She said, well, I didn't like it. I said, was that kind of thoughtful? And she's like, no. I said, well, I'm sorry because I'm a kind and thoughtful person and 
I raised my, so she gets it. I apologize. And she's like, oh, it's okay, daddy. You know, I know, you know, I probably shouldn't have been grabbing that thing. And I said, yeah, I know, but I could have, could I just said my stop? And she's like, yeah, you know, so we have a little conversation. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So we're, we're starting it, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't mean she doesn't mm-hmm. like, I love her to death, but she, she's your child. She yeah. Knows, she knows, <laughs> she knows which button she goes, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to push the, I'm going to push that button. And it's not too bad with daughters and dads, but. She definitely knows where all the buttons on my wife are, and she can press all oh, ten of them no. at the same at the same time. So I just I just and laugh. She's sometimes. not even a teenager yet. Yeah, but she's 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 a wonderful, she's kind and caring and thoughtful person, and that's all I ask for. That she's just kind and thoughtful to other people. You know, beyond that, she has a growth mindset. Every morning, I ask her the questions: What type of day we're we gonna have today? Great day. Who's responsible for having a date day? You are. What is that? What kind of mindset? Growth mindset, daddy. And if you get scared of something that's not dangerous, what do you have to have? And she's like, courage, you know? So, <laughs> but yeah. So, ho- hopefully, cool. when she's older, she'll appreciate some of that stuff. Right now, she's like, why are you asking me this stuff? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. But we're parents. I'm sure there's 10 things I've done to screw her up. And when she's older, she'll be like, you never did that. And I'll be like, hey, I did the best I could. I'm still trying to learn, you know? So, can you tell me a little bit about the way that your family approaches nutrition? My wife loves to cook and is an amazing cook. Mm. So she sorts out the nutrition in our family. Okay, right? perfect. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm lucky that I don't enjoy cooking. Um, so my wife enjoys it and she sort of takes that role. We have, I guess you'd almost say we're sort of very in that old mentality because my wife spends more time with her kids because of the hours for work. So she takes on, um, we both have our jobs so that that's part of her job, not because she's my wife. If I was home, that would be my job, right. but because she's in the home and it's um, easier for her to prepare some of those things. So she really, she manages the nutrition for all of us and she's a very healthy eater. So it works out. Yeah. Awesome. So I wish I could take any of the credit for that, but no, that, <laughs> my, my wife plays a really strong role in influencing that. Who handles the nutrition in your household? I do. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Although yeah. Eric has learned a lot. He definitely has a lot of knowledge about it Yeah. Uh, because he has to, yeah. you know, to manage his performance and manage his body and understand yeah. what he needs when. He's piece. also started getting into um, carb cycling a little bit, mm-hmm. which takes a lot more understanding about what makes up what foods. And Got it. But I do the cooking because I, I enjoy it. Yeah, that's it. It's a creative outlet for me. Yeah. And I like that. And I, mean, I like see- providing. I like putting a meal on the table. Yeah. And so. then we see that in our friends. There's, uh, I don't think, I think it's whoever enjoys it. You know, there's certain things that I handle that my wife is like, I don't, I'm not. Oh yeah. He not. vacuums. I hate vacuuming. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's lots of things around the house that he does that yeah, I don't so I mean, do. And yeah, I think it's just figure out what your things are. And, and again, that's being an example to your, your kids for some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you may have to think a little about this one, but Uh-oh. what would you say? What would you say is the biggest hurdle that you've overcome in your life up to this point? Uh, that's easy. It's my mindset. You know, I, I know it's cliche, but everything that presents itself, I have to be clear that I can handle it. And the fear is all created in my mind. And if I put enough effort and work into it, I'll figure it out. And it doesn't have to be me that figures it out. Someone else can. So it's all mindset. Everything's mindset. A, a person who mentors me regularly just says, Kevin, all your limitations are what you think is how things should work. And he says, every time you think that, challenge yourself. And every time you ask someone for advice, and this was amazing advice, the person giving you advice better have had success at it. Because mm. everyone likes to give advice. But unless they've had success at it, ignore that advice. And I think for all of us, we have family members, friends who say, well, I think you should do this. 
that family member has been uh, divorced three times and they say, well, this is what you need to do to have a six, like, you know, maybe they have some advice about how to Not end the up person getting, to go to for relationship advice. But that's yeah. it, right? Like that's it. Yeah. Just always see who is, who's giving you advice and understand it's all your mindset. You can solve every problem. You can get through any situation in every situation. Your mindset's what matters. Sometimes things happen to you that you're not in control of. It's the old cliche thing though, but you can frame it as, was this the worst day or was it a great opportunity to learn? In my morning gratitude, one of the things that I do for my gratitude, I have a little acronym, believe it or not. Shocker. It's called called (laughs) rule plus one. I start off with gratitude for my key relationships. So my wife, my kids, and then my coworkers, because those are sort of the key relationships that I interact with on a daily basis. Next, uh, the you, I express gratitude for myself, something, because if you can't love yourself, then there's, you're not going to be able to love anyone else. The L stands for lesson learned. So I don't look at it as, man, I got kicked in the teeth. I got an opportunity to learn, and I'm grateful for that. Then gratitude to my employer, which is me, but <laughs> um, you still have to show. double up with self-love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the environment of what being part of this company does for me. So it makes me look at the company separately from myself because I'm not the only owner. All of our, everyone that works in our company has an ownership share in our company. We're big on that. It's a collective. The, that's rule. And the plus one is just something to happen the day to recognize. So it's all mindset. It's all mindset. So any issue that you deal with, you have the power. We are powerful people, right? I talked a little bit before we got started. You know, I have a mindset advantage, you know? My mindset is my advantage. So that's where I always say any situation, it's not, I'm smart. It's got none of those things going. The only advantage I have over anyone else is my mindset. I have a couple of final questions for Great. you. Just a few last ones. Um, the first one is what's your ultimate dream for DTS? Well, it's the same. It's just longevity and pain-free living. So we continue to grow every year. We're going to move into using some more online technology. We're going to explore a little bit use of some augmented reality. We're going to start to undertake that this week, actually. But I think our company can continue to advocate for a different approach to fitness that the mental and the physical go together. But I think a lot of other companies are starting to go down that path. So Mm -hmm. I love it. I mean, DTS, if we can... If we can be for a leader. everyone, yeah. What's the everyone? Do you want to go worldwide? Yeah, everyone. Yeah. So we're we're gonna expand. We we did some courses in the UK last year. We've had people asking in um, Australia. That's not the the focus. Isn't to make it the the focus is to stay at a size where we all enjoy it. And if it happens to expand into those areas, we'll create the parameters. But we have to find the right partners. We I don't personally want to. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good with where we are. But if we find the right partners in those different countries, if you've got the right philosophy and you want something that's built and work together, hey, let's, let's do that. We've got lots of great partnerships, so we're good with partnerships. Mm-hmm. What makes you excited to get out of bed in the morning? Yeah, living, living with purpose, expressing my mindset advantage. That's what makes me excited, mm-hmm. right? So I come to it with where the lessons learned, what's going to happen today, what's going to be something that gets me curious about life. So curiosity is what drives me all the time. That energizes me. Yeah, yeah. love it. Yeah. Finally, how can people connect with you? How can we find you? What are the best ways to find courses DTS is offering? What yeah. kinds of courses are you guys offering now? Can you just give anyone interested that uh, information? Yeah, we are a fitness education company. If you're interested in learning physical skills, 
if you are newer into the industry or a veteran who wants to refine their fundamentals, we're very much on the applied knowledge. You won't find me. I'm not. <laughs> you might find me on Instagram. I think I posted last year sometime. <laughs> like, I'm just not. It's not my. That's um, not your world. Yeah, it just doesn't. I don't. I don't think. Ah, get my phone and take a picture. <laughs> you know. So I always say, follow my wife's Instagram to figure out what um, what's going on. But our DTSFitnessEducation.com. DTS is in D is in David, T is in Tom, S is in uh, uh, Sierra. Um, yeah, DTSFitnessEducation.com. It's not just me. I'm part of the company. I was a founder, but uh, as I mentioned before, we've got uh, Ben McDonald, we've got uh, Andrew Meyer that are sort of our key full-time folks. Our barbell strength certification is run by a gentleman named Chris Fudge, who is awesome. And then, I took that course. He's great. Yeah, yeah he's <laughs> awesome. And then we have our um, animal flow programs. That partnership with uh, Mike Fitch and uh, Karen in the, the U.S. So um, we deliver that uh, here in Canada. Uh, Freya and Roche are the instructors for that. And then we have our Stretch to Win. Oh, how could I forget? So Chris and Ann Frederick in Arizona. We are I'm a co-owner of Stretch to Win Canada. We deliver the fascial stretch therapy here. So we're a busy place. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, um, we certify live almost 1,000 people a year. No, less less than a thousand people a year, but around that parameter, depending if you add in some of the different events that we do. And then online, we have a pretty robust online program too. So that's who we are as a company. Awesome. Yeah. Thank Great. you so much. This has been awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember, we release a new episode every Monday morning, so be on the lookout for those. Also, you can find this podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Please rate, subscribe, and review. Every single rating and review means so much. You can find more information about the show and all past episodes of the podcast at www.howdoyoufeelpodcast.com or you can follow along with me and my journey at KCMZAF. Thanks so much, guys. Get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.